What do chemistry catch-ups, virtual water coolers, and green t-shirts have in common? In this episode, we discuss useful tips and things to think about when onboarding new members in your community. Welcome to Crafting Communities, your podcast companion to shape a better experience for the people that you care about. I'm your host, Grace. And today, we're continuing on from our last episode about onboarding with Shelley and Lee Woon. When someone joins a new community, they might be pretty overwhelmed and anxious. There's a new culture, lots of information and people to meet. How do you make them comfortable and ease them in? Yeah, let me share some of the things that I probably did as a leader when I was welcoming somebody in my team. What typically I do is I design a welcome message for a person so that when the person comes and switches on his or her laptop, the first email is from me Hmm. welcoming the person marked to the entire team so that he or she gets the connect with the rest of the team. We even used to do something very interesting, which is to build a WhatsApp group with the team. And even before the person could come on board a day earlier, we would kind of add the person to the WhatsApp group and introduce and welcome the person and ask the person to send some of the personal pictures that they are comfortable sharing so that the team knows how the person looks like. So on the day when the person is in the office, they could walk up to the person, recognize the person and say hello, you know, because you now know how the person looks like. So those were some of the key things that we did. Also, what I would do is if there are any weekly huddles, monthly meetings, those schedules, I would make sure that I've sent an e-invite for all those meetings so that I don't forget. There had been embarrassing situations where all of us are sitting in a team huddle and suddenly like, oh, where is that new joinee? You know, mm -hmm. and the person is sitting in the bay alone. Oh, no. Thinking that I'm still not part of the in circle. (laughs) You know, so you have already done a lot of harm and then you are doing a lot of undoing, a lot of mistake that you've done. So I would make sure that whatever all the team huddles and the monthly meetings that I have, I've already sent the e-invite to the person so that it's sitting on the person's calendar. Mm. Third thing that I would typically do is that I would have frequent check-ins. I would kind of invite the person weekly for a catch-up. The reason is there is a difference between you as a leader saying that, feel free, I have an open-door policy, walk up to me if you need any help. Then saying that let's catch up every Friday for one hour. Mm. And then when I could ask open-ended questions, how's your one week? What are the new learnings? What do you think that we could change? Because you're still coming with a fresh mind and a fresh approach. You could come up with certain suggestions. Because when the person is seeking my time, it could be a little threatening and overwhelming for the person that am I doing some telltale, if I were to say, then to be in a situation where I've been invited by the boss for a conversation and I'm happy to answer her questions. These are some of the things that I would do to make sure that I'm staying connected with the person and not lost him or her yeah. in the myriad of activities. I love what you said about the frequent check-ins. I also do that with new joiners in my team. Mm-hmm. Some of the other questions that we ask are, do you have any questions for me? What are the challenges they are facing? How can I make your life easier? That's so it right. gives them an opportunity for them to raise up any concerns or any questions about the organization or practices or processes that they would be unfamiliar with. And exactly what you said, I think, Sometimes people feel a bit shy to go up to a leader or a senior manager to ask questions. But if you create that dedicated space and mentally prepare them like, hey, this is a one-hour check-in, you can share anything you want and to help them to feel comfortable in that Mm. one-on-one setting. That's right. 
Totally. It's really true on the one-on-one. So one-on-one is anything that just you mentioned is not only about work. Sometimes if you actually take the step, so how was your day? How was your weekend? And then they will have something to share. And then from there, you can pick out certain things to get to know, know that person on a more personal level. Mm. So you build that one-to-one relationship with them. I think that in itself will be very much treasured and appreciated by someone who's junior or someone who just joined. They know that the organization, which you are representing, they know that the organization is truly, really cares for that person. So yeah. I think that makes a difference. That one-to-one check-in is really up to everyone to spill up. I always tell people, please ask me anything. If it's outside work, it's okay. Then if you have any curious question you want to ask about this, then sometimes they will throw me a off tangent with questions about me, myself, which is great because they want to know me, right? And then at the end of the day, through that conversation, you will get to know them and they get to know you. Then it will work a lot easier. Totally. What are some of the things that either of you do to help a new joiner feel connected to other people in the community? So I get that the check-ins are more one-on-one, but what about building relationships across a community or across an organization? As a part of the orientation, typically... I'm sorry, my examples are largely from the corporate environment, but I do think that they're relevant even in the community scenario. Based on the role the person has in the organization, I would make sure that I have set up one-on-one meeting with all the stakeholders for this individual. Mm. Many a times for this individual to know and ask for those meetings could be very difficult. So in the first one month of the person joining, I would make sure that all the relevant people that this person should personally be connected to or should know, I would block their calendars and set up those one-on-one meetings without me so that they can set up those chemistry catch-ups and take away that awkwardness that how do I just, you know, reach out to this person? I don't even know him or her so well. So in this case, I can just walk up to the person and I've spent one hour having coffee. I love that term, chemistry (laughs) catch-ups. Very impromptu, that was just came to my mind. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly what you said, right? Creating the opportunity for people to create their unique chemistry and dynamic between them. Yeah. So in that sense, we use very basic things, right? So very, very basic ones to make them feel that's a sense of identity and sense of belonging. Through a volunteering experience, you will have times that you need to take a break, right? You need to take a break and then we have water. We always tell, we place the water. We say, oh, there's water, but everybody very paisy very shy to want to go and take the water. So we all also task our volunteers to go and say, hi, hey, would you like a, a water or something? Sometimes on the ground, if we see little children, we'll ask the little children to go and take the water to ask every single volunteer to have it. So then you start to feel that it's actually a more personal kind of experience and you pull everybody together to just simple acts. Prior to COVID, we have cakes as well. So we always use food, mm-hmm. drinks to bind people together. And then through quick meals together or just simple food snacks together they are really very good for bonding activities Mm. so food binds people in so we always think about that t-shirts as well if you see t-shirts corporates will always have the t-shirts for events large ones even if volunteering it was really fun because once you have t-shirts people feel that oh i'm part of this movement i feel part of this entire meaningful purpose that we're going out we have our t-shirts green color okay and it's really cute because the seniors will always recognize us, the green people, the green people, <laughs> the green people are coming. So the then, green people are coming. Yeah. So <laughs> then it's, it's really cute because they don't remember volunteer switchboard. It's a mouthful for the seniors, but they know there's green people, right? So that identity and then the, the volunteers will feel, oh yeah, yes, yes, we are the green people. So we call themselves green people. So I think that is a fun thing. And then you feel as part of the community and very quickly, 
somebody acknowledged, oh, yeah, you know, when you go out in the public, sometimes we will see my volunteers also wearing their green t-shirt. Then, oh, hello, then you know, even in public. Because Can I identify so someone yes. else in the same That's shirt? Yes. identity you've yes. created. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, it's actually fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's just a simple act. And then we have a lot of volunteers who post them as well. When we first started off, we actually posted to regular volunteers. Then we was like, oh, finally we've got this t-shirt and I'm part of this community. Oh. It is really cool. And then we've got now a lot of people like, everyone is wearing green. I'm not wearing green. Can I have a t-shirt please? <laughs> <laughs> Cute. Coming back to the whole idea of, of onboarding, right? So I get that there's some standard procedures and techniques that you may implement. But I'm sure that different volunteers or different people have different personalities or different characters. How do you tailor or personalize an onboarding experience while bearing in mind that different people are different? Is there a different way you would onboard an extrovert versus an introvert? How I look at this is that onboarding or if you were to say day one in the office or the first few weeks in the new community is a special moment, a moment that matters in my life. Then how do you make that moment that matters memorable for me? And that is what is important in this scheme of thing. I don't know if there are different ways to cater to different personalities. Because especially if you're a large organization and if you have 30, 40 people joining you every month, that customization can get very overwhelming for you to administer. But you design your program in a way that it is fairly open-ended, right? So let's take an example. Suppose if I'm saying that I write a welcome message to all the new joiners in my team. The concept of welcome message is common. But how do I structure that welcome message? What kind of a personality of that person I want to bring up in that welcome message is totally dependent on what kind of person they are. One could be a very deep thinker, a subject matter expert on something. So my entire welcome message is to amplify that part of the personality of the person. Somebody could be a sports enthusiast. So my welcome message is to amplify that part, personality of the person. Similarly, your one-on-one catch-ups, the chemistry catch-ups that we spoke about, is common theme that you put that on a calendar. Now, considering somebody is an extrovert, I know that that kind of a person would reach up to his stakeholder and say that, can we step out for a coffee instead of catching up in your office, right? I don't have to interfere there and orchestrate. The person themselves will take care of that situation. Whereas an introvert may just kind of go, the secretary has set up a one-on-one meeting, go sit in the office, you ask me questions, I'll answer that. Let it be because that's what I'm comfortable with. So I guess there is a structure, but there is a customization that happens based on the personality is what I've observed. And the volunteering scene is probably a little bit easier because I get to see. Yeah. So I get to see all of them, right? So yeah. one of the things that we do have is we have facilitators. We have the more senior ones. The more seniors will go and share with people. So it's not the daunting message coming to from me to say that you need to do A to Z, right? But then the more senior ones, we will always say that you are more senior. So can you facilitate the group? So we have the group leads or the facilitators who bring that entire thing. So they can have a point person to ask any questions they wish to ask and without feeling that they are pressurized because it's coming from me, right? So that's one of the things that the, we call them the facilitators of the group. But at the same time, because if I walk around and I can see some of them 
will stand quiet. They're a little bit quieter. They're a little bit more introvert. And they seem lost. So I will walk up. Are you okay? So it's easier from a volunteering perspective because I see them on the ground. With once I see and spot anyone who is a little bit shyer, don't know what to do and they don't know what they can do, then I will step in and then we just spot. The facilitators are also taught the same. You want to make the person who's just joined the organization to feel welcome. So you always have to step up, step in to help people. So that's one of the things because volunteering is is easier on that sense because I have a lot large crowd of people, we'll be able to spot them. So then after which, again, highlighting it to the facilitators, can you please be a little bit more do the buddy system? Yeah. Right? When you do the buddy system, it's easier. So in a corporate setting, usually when previous life, my previous life, we we'll always have a buddy buddy, buddy system. system. Yes. yes. A buddy system so that the buddy system, you, it will work. Now, once you bring that individual into the organization, they know that they have one person to go to. You're engaging the whole community to play their part too. And then at the same time, they'll feel in, introduced or welcomed to a group. And slowly, they will find their own cliques, right? They don't necessarily need to go back. Within the younger group of um, youth volunteers, sometimes we will say that you will, instead of saying buddy, we have buddy system too. But sometimes we will say that we spot that they may be going through different periods of their lives. You can attach them with a mentor, that which is someone older to get them to work. Again, volunteering is very different, right, from in our perspective, because you need to help the people get through some of the items or the things that they love so that they can actually be a much happier person when they come to volunteer and they will be serving our community in, in, a, in that happy state. So we always have to make sure that the well-being of the volunteers are in a good shape. Totally. When you were sharing about the buddy system, I was reminded of Asun. One of my organization's friend zone, we have this thing called friend friend. Mm. And it's a pairing matching thing where every week everyone gets paired with another colleague from the organization. Mm. And you're just meant to schedule a 20 minute chat. Oftentimes, these 20 minute chats become like one hour, two hour, three hour like <laughs> personal catch ups. But the goal is just to have some time for you to interface with or hang out with or catch up with someone within mm. the organization mm. for a non work conversation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think that really helps to build a relationship such that yes. when people are more comfortable with one another, they can naturally reach out to each other on their own rather than having to go through like uh, a manager to get something. They, mm. they have that personal channel yes. to yeah. one another. Yes. Yeah. So interesting. How have you seen COVID change onboarding? I have seen a big difference during COVID because we have two limitations. Uh, there has been a phase when you could not meet physically at all because all of us were under lockdown. Then there is a phase where there is a limited number of people can come together. So there is no large-scale induction planned where 30, 40 people sit together and a facilitator comes and shares the vision, mission, the process, what is the purpose. Those structured onboarding and orientation programs became in a physical environment with good food and all that. Of course, we do miss all that. Is kind of was not possible. So a couple of things that I noticed many companies did was very interesting for me. One was that there was an onboarding kit, welcome kit, which came home, which was just a welcome message. There was a whole kit uh, which had the company mug, you know, the logo for your coffee because you're going to be a lot on Zoom calls together and you could be having your coffee together just to bring that sense of identity. A t-shirt mm. or socks or different things, cap, different mm. things came in as a part of your kid. Second, I think apart from one-on-one Zoom meetings, in the weekly huddles, I did see the leaders taking an opportunity 
to spend the first 15 minutes to introduce the person and giving a chance to the person to introduce themselves to the rest of the team, which in my mind was very interesting. Another very interesting thing that I saw was in this organization, again, to cater to different personalities, they had a repository of 25, 30 questions, very interesting questions, which is describe yourself in one sentence. Uh, What has been your best holiday? Some very interesting open-ended questions. And these new joiners took a lot of pains in describing, putting their pictures, and then marking that email to the rest of the team. So I saw the virtual collaboration, something which was called off-site was now called home-sites. Oh, wow. So these home-sites were that they had budgets to kind of order in their meal, and everybody ordered their meal, and they were all together on the screen, and it was a casual conversation. And what we call virtual water cooler conversations, typically you would all meet in a pantry, and there is no agenda to the conversation. You're just yapping to build your relationship. So these home sites were like just ordering your own food and company would take care of it. And then you're just having casual chats or what I call virtual water cooler conversations. I wanted to skip back to the 30 questions. So just clarifying, right? They don't have to answer all 30 questions. No, 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 no. They just pick up the top three or the top five that they want to answer. The idea of doing those 30 questions is so that you're not wasting your time or if you're not creative enough to think of how to present yourself. Mm. Yeah, I think it's even good that, I mean, by offering a list of these are 30 possible questions that you Mm. can answer, then it gives the the new joiner the choice of which question they want to answer to showcase their personality, right? Totally. At least there's a variety of options, not the standard. What's that question I hate, which is, um, oh, introduce one random fact about yourself. (laughs) Every time people (laughs) ask me that when I'm at orientation camps, I'm just like, I don't know what's a random fact about me. (laughs) What is one interesting, everything about me is interesting. (laughs) Just a subjective experience. (laughs) Correct. Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. So onboarding for us, same thing what Shirley was sharing just then was we have the, you used to have me being the voice and then presenting it about 30, 40, 50 volunteers at one shot, right? So we started to just have a small conversation and the volunteers got bigger. So I had to have my speaker to project my voice to the whole group. So I'll just give them the background of the purpose itself. So the purpose, and then we actually have to bind everybody with a common purpose. So that's one of the things that we actually had to do. Every single orientation that we do or bring in new volunteers, we will have to share what we're doing, why we're doing it, and why are we in the community, right? So we will need to actually align all of them with the same kind of purpose so that they will know that whatever they do when they get out to the community is going to be meaningful, purposeful, and then they will be benefiting the community. So that's something that we found that is really interesting that we need to do in terms of the large kind of briefing. But with the change of COVID, we have to translate that into either a slide or a video introduction. We can't miss it. But sometimes it was still, the translation is still lost in the meaning, right? So that was interesting. It gave birth to roles of facilitators whereby we will identify all our regular volunteers who are in the community and they're happy to step up to help the other volunteers at, at the same time. So now instead of me doing one single briefing, this COVID situation has given opportunities to our regular volunteers to step up into little team leads, mm. whereby they actually can tell what's the purpose of this in relation to them. 
because that purpose, they, they found a way to tell what it was so important to them, right? So that gave us opportunity to even buy closer because mm. I can have my cluster or my leads to build in that, that they will know the different characters of the volunteers. And we, when they have any questions, we can ask, right? That builds a little bit closer bond rather than me being here and I'll tell you what to do and then you go up. Yeah, I love that personalization. Mm. I mean, it's not just your founder story now, right? But it's also become everyone's story. Yes. And for the more senior volunteers who now take on the onboarding role, it's also a way of leadership development for yes. them, right? To totally. step up and to yes. share their experiences and, and welcome the newer volunteers. So in fact, I wanted to add something very interesting that I saw during COVID. The quick feedback process, because, you know, when you're in a physical environment, Immediately after your meeting or your presentation, your work, you know, from the expression in the room of the colleagues and people whom you were presenting, you knew that whether you've done well or you've not mm. done well. Now, online, that's very difficult to gauge that whether my work is being appreciated, whether I'm culturally fitting in or not, or whether I was very awkward. So I saw this one company where after every presentation or after every meeting, the manager would ask the new joiner to stay in for five minutes, a quick feedback session. Mm. And I know feedback has a negative connotation, but not in this case, because they take that as a very positive statement. Mm. Because the manager immediately said, hey, I just loved it. Like you're so new and still you really cracked it. You did so well today. You mm. know, these were three things were very good. Just quickly two things. Just be watchful of these two, because culturally this is how this organization is. I just wanted to orient you. Mm. So after every meeting for the first couple of months, I saw some of the managers like immediately after the meeting, they'll say, let's do take five. Three things which went well, two things we need to work on. So I know it's very similar to frequent check-ins, but it was something like... Even more rapid. More rapid because in a physical environment, you can feel it from the room, whether you've done well or you've not done well, whether my deliverables are acceptable or not acceptable it's become harder now virtually. So mm. how do you do that? Same, so feedback, right? So I will go and debrief. So all the volunteers will come back at a specific time and then blah, 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 blah. Then tell them what has happened, what do you do? Anybody would like to share? So it's complete <laughs> silence. Crickets. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk to you. But when you actually have the facilitators in smaller groups, they were like, oh, I want to tell you this, I want to tell you that. It was really good because we started to get a lot of feedback. Yeah. Um, and it's coming from the ground and from the ground to translate it to us. It's also good things, right? Because I yeah. can now it, develop the, the facilitators on how to take the questions. At the same time, we get the more, more people to talk up and mm. speak up because it's not so daunting to totally. speak in front of 40 people, 50 yeah. people, right? Yeah. Richer feedback as yes, well. Yes, much, much more. Totally. What is one piece of practical advice that you would like to give our listeners today who are looking at onboarding new members? Mine would be um, we have the tagline to say, let me help you help others. So I want every single facilitator to build that mindset of let me help you so that you can help other people. Wow. Right? So once you have that mindset, they will always remember that that's their role. And then with any new joiners, newcomers, they will have the same role. I think that's a quite powerful one-liner when I give it to the facilitators. They will be really supportive and they've been doing exactly that role. I think my advice would be just be available and do not underestimate the power of onboarding. This is the first 30, 60, 90 days are so important for a new joiner to become your long-term ambassador 
So do not underestimate the power of onboarding. Just be available. Thank you so much, Shelly and Yuen, for sharing all of your insights and practical advice with our listeners today. Thank you. Thank you. Catch us for our next episode of Crafting Communities, where we speak to Sparsh, and he heads up the BHP Singapore Community, a corporate volunteer group. He'll share with us about how he personalizes onboarding for his volunteers. Want to hear more? This episode is available right now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.